listening to White the Oh yeah, man, baby. Michael Vincent, this is uh man, I can't wait for this episode. I I've been obsessed with space ever since I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater when I was when I was but four years old, and uh because of an amazing <laughs> 80s film called Space Camp, which by the way, I think was filmed at that in uh, Alabama, there's a there's a big space center, and I think that that movie was filmed there, and it's based on a space camp that they have there. I think you're exactly right. I think we're all excited about space. I, my, you know, Lost in Space, The Jetsons, Star Wars, Star Trek, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that I'm upset about is The Jetsons promised me flying cars by now. I don't have them. So maybe we can uh, ask one of our guests about that. Where the heck are our flying cars? Hey, you know what? And, and LinkedIn, I think it just it just went it just went black. So if you guys can fix that, that would be awesome. Oh. Yeah, I know we were trying to we we're trying to run these ads to to give it a little a little intro, which I think is an awesome idea. But it's been so finicky. So we hope that uh, maybe some NASA space age technology with some of our guests can help us fix that. Uh, on today's show, we'll be talking about unusual freight and narco subs with Chandler Magan and the intergalactic yeah. freight and historic launch of NASA and SpaceX Demo Two launch. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm very ready. I'm ready for space trucking, man. The launch tomorrow and everything like that. And are you checking things out on social media? It's getting a lot of press, right? Like uh, from, uh, you know, the weather stopping it. Hey, 2020, what else can you screw up to? Yay, a Saturday launch. I finally got something to do uh, during quarantine or during lockdown on a Saturday. <laughs> so lots of good press for it. I'm excited for it. It's going to be awesome. Oh, wow. Wow, that was my son. Do you think he should re- he should replace the, the intro yell of what the truck? I mean, it's such a solid job. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heck of a good audition, I'll tell you that. Uh, Absolutely. Man, I, I miss doing the show on, on Monday, but what an episode to come back to. But first, let's thank our sponsors for keeping the cowbells ringing and letting this one happen. This month's What the Truck is sponsored by HubTech. HubTech just launched Tabby, a new task automation bot that helps you. Yes, you. Focus on what matters. Want to learn more? Go hubtech.com. That's where you got to go. You go in there, Michael. Go after the show. Uh, right after the show. Immediately. Yeah, and you know what? We got image back up, too. Thank, thanks for hanging in there, guys. Thanks for joining us on LinkedIn. And I appreciate it. Thomas Smiley Jr., Amanda Miller said, Happy Friday. And Anthony Udwart, who says, good morning from Dallas-Fort Worth, man. Hey, we got a guest from Dallas-Fort Worth joining us today. Yeah, right on. Hey, good morning, Dallas. All right, before we get to our awesome lineup of guests today, let's first get to some headlines here. We got FMCSA yet to receive evidence of broker violations. Not everyone's going to be happy with this report by John Gallagher, but uh, here it is. Uh, John Gallagher reports, despite widespread complaints by small business truckers that they are being gouged by freight brokers, Colluding against them, the industry's top regulator has yet to see evidence backing their case. That's right. After weeks of demonstrating in Washington, we've covered that uh, extensively. Drivers accusing freight brokers of cheating and price gouging. Uh, The OOIDA petitioned the FMCSA to enforce federal broker transparency laws, as well as prohibit brokers from issuing contracts that require carriers to waive their rights to access to freight transaction records. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's right. They, you know, they may not like the answer uh, here, but Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration Acting Administrator Jim Mullen told attendees of a webinar hosted by the Intermodal Association of North America on May 28th that it's a hot topic now. Uh, there were protesters here in D.C., and the president has spoken on some of these issues. The vast number of complaints have been about the freight brokerage space, and the rates right now aren't relative to the federal brokerage uh, broker transparency laws covered by 49 CFR 37. 371.3, he went on to say, in fact, we don't have a specific complaint that a broker failed to abide by 371.3 in a situation in which the motor carrier hadn't waived contractually the ability to get the fina- that financial data that the regulation encompassed. We don't expect this to go away anytime soon, and we take our regulatory obligations very seriously. Yeah, and I think that was a misinterpretation with the regulation. I remember there was, you know, there was a, there's a messaging going out of there to some group saying, oh, look, we got you. There's this 37, this 371.3 regulation. You've got to be transparent. But that's not necessarily how that's intended to work. He goes into that deeper in the article. But I have to agree with him there that it's, it's less likely this won't be going away as long as rates remain low. Speaking of the recently issued hours of service final rule, Mullen, he stressed that while the agency's core focus to improve safety, he acknowledged that modifying the 30-minute rest break, allowing the break to be satisfied by the driver using the uh, on-duty, not-driving status rather than off-duty status, has the potential to provide the most meaningful benefits for carriers in terms of productivity and vehicle miles traveled. And uh, you know what? I am looking forward to... Uh, to talking to some people, and you'll be with me tomorrow on Freightways Radio. We'll talk to some truckers and see what they think about this story and these two uh, different commentaries. I'm sure the phones will light up. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to that myself. Here's one. This this will make you happy, right? Uh, and nobody likes a towing company. Injunction against North Carolina towing <laughs> company that booted trucks. That's right. John Kingston reports. Here's one for the bleacher creatures and anybody who doesn't like getting their car booted because who would like getting their car booted? Right. It's a very popular uh, tactic here in Chattanooga, though. Um, a North Carolina, yeah. <laughs> a North Carolina towing company accused of improperly booting trucks and then charging exorbitant fees to have the boots removed has been enjoined from the activity by a North Carolina court. Superior Judge, he's Craig Kroom of Wake County. He handed down this preliminary injunction against David Satterfield individually and the company that he owns, A1 Towing Services or Towing Solutions. The injunction states that the state of North Carolina, whoo, that's Ric Flair's hometown, which filed suit against Satterfield and A1 is likely to prevail on its claims in this action against the defending parties in making its ruling. Yeah, well, hey, people are getting innovative making money, brother. They're just walking around, <laughs> just going around booting just stuff boot and saying, hey, you want it off? <laughs> give me some cash. But the injunction blocks A1 from booting or otherwise immobilizing a vehicle without having first obtained for each such vehicle written permission of authorization to do so from the owner or lessee of the property on which the vehicle was found, Judge Kroom wrote. Mm-hmm. The injunction also stops A1 from demanding or receiving payment for release of any vehicle booted or otherwise immobilized or already hooked up to a tow truck. The act can be performed with uh, the written per- uh, the act can be performed with the written permission noted earlier, according to the injunction. 
Well, yeah, one of the issues in these uh, these bootings by A1 was the fees demanded by the company to unboot the vehicle like absolute extortion. The incident that caught the attention of Attorney General's office involved charging A1, said A1 was charging these drivers exorbitant fees to free their vehicles, put them in a tough position. I don't know if you've ever had your car towed, but I've had I've been in that situation like in a movie where the uh, it was a moving truck at Alston where the, the tow trucks there are sharks, man. They just go around trying to get anybody on, vol- on violations when people are moving in. They pick your truck up, then they want like 300 bucks to drop it, and which is a lot of money when you're a college kid. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I've not had my car booted but uh, or, or truck booted or anything. But, I mean, they're, they're going around without permission from the owner. So the owners, they're just looking for uh, parking lots and deciding that this vehicle shouldn't be there. So they're booting it. Is that what they're doing? I think that sounds like it, right? It sounds like that's I mean, the practice. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, here's it. Let's just talk about rates. Let's see. Maybe these will make some of the truckers happy. Carriers are in the strongest yeah. power position of the past two months. That's right. Speaking of rates, this week's DHL supply chain pricing power index is at 20 in favor of the shippers, but it's better than last week, which is at 15. And the three-month outlook is uh, a neutral 50, so opt- uh, some optimism there. That's actually kind of where we want the ecosystem is in balance. The DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index uses analytics and data contained in FreightWave Sonar platform to analyze the market and estimate the negotiating power of rates between shippers and carriers. Outbound tender volumes are benefiting greatly from the reopening of the economy and the release of pent-up consumer demand. So supply dynamics are taking longer to adjust to capacity as it remains extremely loose. So rates are coming off a depressed base. Spot sprays have increased in the vast majority of lanes, though. So that is good news. We heard a lot of complaints about that. Consumer spending data and the bump from produce season put the carriers in a better position. And you know what? I talk to Ingrid all the time on Freightways Radio. She pulls like cherries and strawberries and she's been doing just fine through this pandemic. She's got the right freight. Yeah, absolutely. And refrigerated freight, we're we're looking at those 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 rates. All in rates are 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 going pretty high in a number of lanes. So, uh, but outbound tender volumes, yeah, I mean, they're continuing their their kind of roller coaster ride. Right now, it's on the uptick, and 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 it's uh, a very good uptick is is going on in the day over day, not just the seven day moving average is is extremely high, and these volumes are actually surging in spite of uh, you know the import volumes which have been plummeting. We kind of saw that rise, and as we talked to Greg Miller before there was that kind of cliff that fell off but um, you know California is is still doing well and they're home to two of the largest ports in the country and uh, but also the largest agriculture which has been up seeing a little bit of a downtick there but uh, yeah volumes are high and they continue to uh, very interesting and, and good news. Yeah, check out that full report by Andrew Cox Freight Intel team on FreightWaves.com. You can you can read the deep dive. There's all the charts and everything there. But we have to start getting to our guests. We got four of them today, all super oh, exciting, yeah. covering land, sea, air, and outer freaking space. So share this one with your friends, too. If you're in the comments on LinkedIn, Thomas Smiley is, and he might not share because he says, oh, no, is that an Ohio State mug? <laughs> Speaking of Ohio State, that's where Speaking Brian Speaking of Ohio from. State. Let's dial him up. Oh, here we go. Boom, boom. Five, count of five. Five, two minutes. Yeah, Brian Schreiber. He's the manager of air cargo business development at the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. Brian, thank you for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Uh, last time we were together, I think it was uh, one of the very last conferences to be <laughs> 
done before the whole world turns upside down. Isn't it amazing? Like, you know, people were still in buffets there, right? Everyone congregating, everyone in the same halls. And there wasn't even though we heard of the first few cases in in China, it still hadn't hit our shores. It would be uh, it would still be a couple weeks before it got really, really dire. And uh, here we are now, whole different world, whole different time to be having this conversation, Brian. Right. I'm uh, in finishing up my 11th week working from my kitchen. Wow. Well, yeah, I am, too. I'm getting stir crazy in here. I, I wish I was sitting next to Michael Vincent, even if I had to smell his uh, his Ohio State mug. Some some people in the comments, it's mm. controversial. Some people in the comments are upset about the the Ohio State mug. But I know that that's your uh, that's your alma mater, right? It is uh, my alma mater, my wife's and our first son was born at the Ohio State University Hospital. Wow. He's, O-H, brother. <laughs> O-H. Bleeding, uh, <laughs> bleeding red and uh, silver over there. Uh, has the current COVID, <laughs> how has it, you mentioned it, how has the current COVID-19 situation affected the global air cargo market, though? So first of all, it's scarlet and gray for all the Buckeye fans out there. Yeah, and then I was going to correct question, myself, Brian, but thank you for that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and to answer your question, uh, well, the first thing that happened is um, globally, 50% of air freight travels in passenger bellies. So, you know, underneath the seats of those aircraft, particularly on the long haul international routes, there's sometimes 20, 30 tons of cargo. When they parked all those planes immediately, globally, 50% of the air freight capacity came out of the, the market and higher on some lanes, like between Europe and the U.S. So that drove rates up and led to a scramble to find new ways to, to fly stuff. So, hey, you, Brian, that's a, that's a, a, a obviously uh, correct and a, and a great point. And it's and it's one of the things I put out on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago was, you know, how this came about. Most of the capacity or 50 or 60 percent, it's over 50 percent, I guess, is belly belly uh, capacity for for air cargo. Most of that capacity on those routes became available for those routes, not based on the air cargo demand, but the passenger demand. And that's what went away. And therefore the capacity went away. And so the question here, I guess, is is really, what does this mean? Is this a rebirth of the importance of freighters in a global supply chain? Uh, how, how, does, how does this come back? How do we correct the situation? You know, it could be. Right now, uh, the passenger airlines are stepping in and, and being very innovative and putting freight uh, where they can in passenger aircraft and flying those as kind of semi-freighters. Um, but, you know, we were talking to one of the big major passenger carriers that hasn't had a freighter in service for many, many years, actually decades. And they're starting to rethink that right now. So we'll have to see. Hey, Catherine Whitehouse. So it's almost like they're re- it's almost like the, the airline. It's like resetting itself, right? It is. I, I think the whole, I mean, both on the passenger side of the house and the freight side of the house, I think there's going to be a reset more on the passenger side of the house. But, you know, much like 9-11, a decade down the road from now, we'll be smarter and we'll be doing things better. And I think things will be back to normal and we'll learn a lot. Hey, Catherine Whitehouse, she just, she's kind of verifying something we talked about earlier. But, I, you know, a lot of flowers get flown, too. And we were talking about Valentine's Day that came up. But she says, we actually picked up new nursery accounts that deliver flowers and plants to retail stores. It helped to keep them busy through uh, this whole COVID-19 situation. Super cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, uh, a lot of the apparel companies shut down overseas production when it started in Asia. And then they came back online before the United States was ready to open stores. So we've got apparel companies making PPE right now. To, to keep their workers busy. Hey, you, you also wrote that Central Ohio is America's best kept secret as an international logistics hub, but that secret is getting out. Why is it getting out? Who's the leak? Who's the leaker? Have you, have you snuffed out the mold? <laughs> well, we've been trying to fly under the radar. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, 
it all comes back to trucking, really. Actually, um, we're within fifty percent of the U.S. of all of the U.S. population, and a, and a third of the Canadian population is within a one-day truck drive of Central Ohio. So, with the hours of service limitations, you know how important that is, and that's why we're a gigantic logistics hub, great highways, uh, great air, and even four rail intermodal terminals that connect us to deepwater ocean ports. Excellent. So it is. I mean, and that's what that's what I've talked about as as well as the importance of in that area. And we've seen different changes with uh, really starting um, well over a year ago with with some of the tweets and the tariff uh, and trade war, et cetera, and the, the change in in maritime changing from hitting the west coast and railing across to columbus ohio you can see it i put that out the other day as well on on a chart showing the intermodal boxes international intermodal boxes growing significantly from the east coast into columbus ohio and dropping from the west coast and you can see that that is an effect of the change of the the maritime patterns but how is uh specifically your operation there at rickenbacker how how is this the current situation changed what you guys are how are you responding to this what, what's going on there so we had a lot of regularly scheduled service on those retail routes, I'll call them, you know, flying a lot of clothing and apparel and consumer products into Columbus, Ohio for distribution. When the factory started to shut down, uh, some of those routes went away and they deployed freighters uh, for other purposes, flying medical supplies at first to Asia. Um, but then when it spread to America, uh, we had an onslaught of on-demand and, and it continues to this day uh, of uh, new routes flying not just medical supplies and PPE and not just FEMA flights, which we were one of the first airports to, to receive FEMA flights, but um, just the rerouting of goods due to the supply chain disruption. So we've kind of had to, we're, we're always adaptable and collaborative here, and we've just kind of stepped up and we're dealing with a daily uh, change in schedule. So no big deal. Hey, Brian, we started out talking about Air Cargo Nashville. Uh, Michael Vince and I were actually both there at the end of January uh, with all these events being canceled, though, you know, the events are big for you guys to get your messaging out there. How are you doing it in this alternate reality we live in now? So LinkedIn, um, and happy to be on, on, on your podcast today and a lot of Zoom Good meetings. Answer. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a pleasure. A lot of Zoom meetings. I think we're all Zoomed out, but uh, it's, it's a new world and hopefully we'll get back to face to face sooner than later. Fantastic stuff. Uh, do you have any outlook for the future? Are things going to be positive, optimistic? I'm optimistic for our market, um, particularly because this presents an opportunity for innovation and new ways of doing business. And quite frankly, we've had some big companies that weren't using Central Ohio as an air distribution point that have come in and, and they're very happy with the market. As a matter of fact, we just got notification that uh, 30 flights that were destined for Chicago are now going to come to Columbus, Ohio. Amazing stuff. So where do people go and, and learn more after this conversation and after the show? So our website is Rickenbacker Advantage, and uh, just the namesake is Eddie Rickenbacker was a World War One flying ace, not the Rickenbacker guitars. Oh. But if you look up Rickenbacker Airport, you'll, you'll find us. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks a lot for joining <laughs> us today, Brian. We really appreciate it, and I'm sure Michael appreciated your, uh, your guitar reference there. Yeah, I, I actually did. I was going to ask that question, but you, you stole it from me, Brian. Good stuff. Thank you so much. It's been uh, sorry, we lost him. Well, he was going to say it's been a pleasure. It, uh, there, there's a slight delay on that one. Um, MD to Fael Ahmed. Uh, I, I'm curious, MD, does, does this work for you? He writes in our comments, Hello, I'm a professional freelancer. I'm an expert in social media and marketing, data entry, web research, lead generation, and photo editing. If you need any work, and he's got a link, and I'm just curious, uh, 
as an expert in marketing, does marketing during the middle of uh, what the truck help you? I'd, I'd like to know. Tom Curry says Ohio always <laughs> representing Cincinnati, the Silicon Valley of logistics innovate. He's uh, cin- yeah, Cincinnati. So Cincinnati, Cincinnati is the Silicon Valley of logistics. I uh, that's what he's saying. That, I thought we've called that Chattanooga. A lot of people have tried to lay claim to that. What, co- and, and who who is that? Our friend Curry. Uh, Tom Curry, yeah, and then uh, our other friends from um, from Lean Staffing, they're they're always saying that Medellin is the Silicon Valley of South America. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Silicon Valleys of everywhere. I am the Silicon well, I, I Valley. Thought of we, my I thought we said that San Jose is the Medellin of California, right? Uh, <laughs> I still want to see the Vinny Chase Medellin movie. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna now we're gonna talk to uh, to Chandler. He is, um, man, I'm excited for this one, and I know I put his phone number in my phone. Uh, read, read, his, read his little intro for me here, and I'll get him dialed up for us. If anybody knows uh, Chandler Megan, please have him give us a call as no, soon I have as his possible. Pl- <laughs> just dance for me for a second, brother. Yeah, I'm dancing. I'm dancing. So, so yeah, so Chandler is, what is it, next logistic or next exit, right, is next exit. So they, they're... They haul all the crazy stuff, the narco subs and all that kind of oversized, unusual freight uh, type of thing. Takes a, a lot of effort and a lot of knowledge to do that type of stuff. It's going to be interesting to, to talk with him. Yeah, it is. And I got his number in here, too. So we're dialing him up. Okay, great. Right cool. now, we're going to hear all about his weird and unusual freight. Is this Chandler? Magany, the founder and president. Good morning, of- it's Chandler. How are you doing? Hey, man. They're the founder and the president of Next Exit Logistics. And we uh, we actually have never heard anyone say your last name. So can you pronounce it for us so we don't massacre it? We have uh, we were kind of betting before you came on air how exactly to say it. Oh, really? So it's Scottish-Irish, and uh, it's called McGann. Aha, uh-huh, that's what we thought. We were like, you know what? When yes. he probably showed up at Ellis Island, he, he said in there like, you know, that sounds like a double A at the end. Yeah. You did game. great. Got it. <laughs> you uh, Speaking of doing great, what I, what I was super excited to reach out to you is a lot of people here, like our last guest, he's, he says he makes a lot of connections on LinkedIn, especially now there's not these virtual events. Same way I connected with you through uh, uh, similar connections within our network. And I saw you you hauled unusual freight, which absolutely fascinates me. It's, uh, it's, it's its own special and unique discipline. Tell us a little bit about what Next Exit Logistics does. So we uh, specialize in the difficult, unique, and unusual and impossible shipments. And uh, um, there's a lot of excitement to it. It's not something you slap in a dry van and close the doors and uh, slap a seal on it and pat the door and off it goes. But uh, it's more, uh, it's, it's really measuring uh, a handful of times so you can cut once because once once the truck starts moving towards something and you have a crane that needs to support an unload or you have some other um, uh, folks on site ready to download some material or upload some material, uh, you really have to have the coordination down and all your um, dimensions and weights correct. Uh, so there's no delays or slip-ups. So we really have to be prepared. And some of the things that we've been moving uh, the craziest one I can think of when you reached out to me was that narcotics submarine. And I'm like, that's crazy. Was this a seizure or what was this thing? And uh, the uh, uh, different uh, government branches put together this the narcotics submarine and they th- throw it out in the Gulf of Mexico and they take turns tracking it down and chasing it. But there's some little guy who sits in there and he's kind of <laughs> like, yeah, <I'm, laughs> catch me if you can. <laughs> 
Wow. That's crazy. Do you know that during World War II, Michael Vincent, during World War II, they used to have like kamikaze torpedo pilots and they would, the Japanese would put, you'd actually go inside of a torpedo, the pilot, and then you would just launch off to your death and either you would hit your target or I guess just, I don't know, run out of air at the bottom of the ocean or get crushed like a tin can. Sounds like scary stuff. It definitely sounds like scary stuff. It sounds like... It sounds like something these uh, kids are doing at home, but they get it, they get to do it over and over again on their uh, Xbox. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking yeah. about unusual freight. What is uh, what is some of the what is uh, you know you mentioned the narco sub. You mentioned that you, you, we've you also sent me pictures of like helicopters you've moved and and tanks and things like that. What are what are the logistics and what are the differences between moving these unique type of freights where everything you move is different versus uh, what like a, th- a traditional brokerage would do or a traditional carrier would do? Okay, so the biggest difference is that we have to, uh, some of these things haven't been done before. Um, we have a, uh, some shipments that w- when we start going into them, we know that it'll never be done. It's, it's a one-off. And uh, uh, we're having to plan, like, the, the site. Is the site set up for it? Is the, uh, are the freight docks the, the right sizes for going into it? Because they don't have a freight dock. Um, and, uh, like, the, the helicopters and stuff, we want to make sure that we have an aircraft mechanic on site when it's loading. We don't want any of the uh, folks touching the helicopter unless the aircraft mechanic is on site for the loading and for the unloading, just because it's a uh, multi-million dollar piece of machinery. And what's interesting, what I learned about helicopters is that they're all aluminum. So it's like they, they call it like a flying empty, empty uh, soda can. And like when I heard that, I'm like, I don't want to touch this. So I always ask if I can touch something when we're on site. But we have to coordinate the cranes to show up. So we can bring them down onto the ground and coordinate special trailers so the helicopters are protected during transit. Um, one of the things, we, we either use an enclosed trailer or we'll actually stick uh, windshield protection to keep rocks from hitting the, um, the windshield. And uh, road debris is also a concern because if a uh, truck's in a lane and there's some retread or something on the highway, you don't want that retread kicking up and hitting the helicopter. You could have a real big um financial mess but some of the photos i sent you was uh a tank uh is a with a bridge launcher so it's it's like a folding bridge so if you need to cross this ditch or this uh ravine you can slap this bridge down and the rest of your uh, troops can drive right over the ravine and the crazy one is the pig launcher and i I had a hard time digesting well what's a pig launcher Is, is, is this lingo am i hearing this correct but a pig launcher is a natural gas device that uh, they stick a, a thing in there and they, they put a bunch of pressure behind it. And it, apparently it screams like a pig as this device goes through the pipeline to clean out the pipeline. And uh, we're usually making measurements on that before we load it because they don't actually know what it's going to weigh before um, we show up. Hey, Chandler, Brandon Dawson in the comments has a question for you. He says, is next exit asset base? And I guess the follow up to be for that would be if, if they're not, how do you find the, the carriers to pull these goods and the trucks to pull all this unique freight? Uh, so that's a good question, because every single thing that we have done has been based off of uh, owner operators. And so we wouldn't be where we were or are today without the owner operators uh, that have uh, hauled our freight. And um, there's a lot of extra questions that we're asking when um, we're vetting a carrier about the equipment that they have and the experience that they have when they move these types of uh, shipments. And uh, sometimes the carriers have the right equipment, but they actually don't actually know they have the capability and the mindset to do so until we walk them through it and say, hey, if you, we, we did it this way 
or, or make this one adjustment, then you could do it. And then they can actually see that vision. But sometimes the uh, carriers don't see the vision of what it is that we have to move. And so we really have to kind of walk them through and break it down into smaller bites because if you show, shove the whole Thanksgiving feast at them, it, it's too much. So we really have to break it down and dial it down to the parts that are a little bit more digestible to uh, comprehend the vision of what we're trying to achieve for the client. So Chandler, Mike Vincent here. So we've been talking about things that you're moving all, all surface moves. Do you, do you move air as well? Do you, do you charter air and have you moved anything that way? We have done some uh, air, uh, but it, we really stick with uh, truckload. Um, sometimes the truckload could only be uh, the last 20% of the project or um, and, and not a major portion of truckload. So, I mean, today we're, we're taking a cement mixer from Texas and taking it to the uh, Virgin Islands. I'd like to go with it, but we're coordinating truckload, the boat. We're coordinating truckload in, in the Virgin Islands. We're co- uh, coordinating crane support in, in the Virgin Islands. Um as well. And we've actually moved truckloads from the States over to Hawaii. And uh, that can be a little challenge finding uh, Hawaiian uh, trucking companies. You can't exactly slap that on uh, one of the load boards. You know, I was going to ask you about that. And I don't want you to give your secrets away, but how do you go about getting this business? How do you find all these people who have this unusual freight? That's a a specialty in and of itself. A lot of it's uh, referrals. um, And we actually get uh, quite a bit of uh, business referral from some of the trucking companies that uh, we work with. They'll have their own incumbent accounts, like you spoke of. Ingrid has their own accounts, but then there could be a surge or something where they have so much volume that they, they need actually actual support. And so we actually have sometimes trucking companies <clears throat> refer us. Uh, we do we go off of referrals off of LinkedIn, and then um, our, our marketing outreach, and uh, it, it's. It's always interesting to find out um, how they were referred. And sometimes they'll say, well, Bob told us to call you. Well, we might not even know who that Bob actually is, but they, <laughs> we have to go with it. There's an astronaut Bob. There's, <laughs> a, there's an astronaut Bob going up on SpaceX. Hey, before I, before I forget, because we're running out of time, to paraphrase Meatloaf, I would move any freight for love, but I won't move that. Is there any, anything you won't move? Oh, automobiles. I don't like moving personal automobiles. <laughs> Dodge Vipers and Land Rover Discoveries, I'm out. Oh. I don't want anything to do with those. <laughs> Wowzer. <laughs> that, that, that's very interesting. But, hey, thank you, Chandler, for joining us. It was really interesting stuff. Very, I love to hear about this type of stuff. Very, very difficult, and you have to have that expertise in planning and moving new stuff. So well, how do people reach out? How do they learn more about it? You can uh, find us at nextexitlogistics.com. And uh, I'm Chandler McGann on LinkedIn and reach out to us. We'd be glad to uh, uh, help you out with any kind of situation um, you're looking at or point you in the right direction. Because there's sometimes there's things that we can't handle, but we know who the experts are that could. But mm. the, uh, one approach we get often is asked to move explosives. Oh, We haven't done that yet, but we get constantly approached to do it. You probably have to be hazmat certified for something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can move fireworks in the trunk of my car. Oh yeah. So Amanda Miller says woohoo. Chandler, uh, Megan, Tom Curry says uh, nice one. Michael Vincent and Chris Jolly said yeah, he loves himself some Chandler. So Chandler, we do too. We'll have you back on in the near future. Really appreciate you taking the time out with us today. God bless and have a great weekend. It's a pleasure being on your show. Yeah, good stuff, man. He was he was a good. Thank I'm glad you, I found his phone number in my phone because he turned out to be pretty good, right, Michael? 
Yeah, you need to save that. That is some interesting stuff. Maybe you can give us some weekly updates. What the, We'll have like weird and freight this week on what the truck or something. Yeah, no, I, that's, I'm so <laughs> curious about that kind of stuff. I, when, I was, uh, when I used to work in cross-border operations for, for a broker, we worked with an energy company, and they would have like those, uh, those big, like, um, like they're almost like kiln-looking things. I'm not sure what the name. They're almost like silo kilns. You'd have to move those things on, on flatbed, but you would need special oversized load permissions and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was a pain in the butt because we weren't a specialized move carrier. But uh, we would broker out to someone like a, uh, like, like a Chandler to get that stuff done for you. Yeah, absolutely. And then Chandler's got all these people around. I think it, it, he must learn so much about so many different industries moving this kind of unusual and unique freight and moving this stuff down. And these are the guys that are like shut down half the streets of uh, you know Chattanooga to move something in, that type of stuff. Very cool. Let's uh, let's dial up our our buddy Trey Griggs. He's the global director of sales at HubTech. Let's see what he has to bring for you. Promise us a song. Hello. This ain't the gig economy. This is Trey Griggs economy. It ain't trigonometry. It's the Griggs economy. Connection made. Trey Griggs, thanks for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. What's up, Dooner? Hey, what's going on, guys? (laughs) Hey, how are you, Trey? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. You promised Fabulous. you promised me a couple things in the DM. There's a couple things we're going to get to because I know that you're super excited that NASA is going to be on today. Oh my god! Uh, so I guess we, should we before we get to the song, let's talk about that real quick. What did you share with me in your DMs when NASA came up? So I'm, I'm a huge NASA nerd. I'm a huge space nerd, and many people don't know this, but in a, in a previous life, I started my career as a physics teacher. And I mean, I, I did units on space and rocketry and orbit, and uh, you know, showed all the videos on the Mercury and Gemini and Apollo missions. And, you know, um, back in 1986, Krista McCulloch was the first teacher to go into space. And unfortunately, we know what happened with the Challenger uh, disaster that took place. But when I was a teacher, they were starting to talk about that again, about teachers potentially participating in the space program. And um, I just about fell out of my seat when I read that, because that's been a dream of mine. I grew up a huge fan of the movie Space Camp, and you know, you and I talked about that. And so I'm just a I'm a huge space nut, a huge exploration nut. I think that achieving orbit is one of the greatest things that mankind has been able to accomplish. And you know, what's happening now is just uh, is awesome with the exploration into the solar system, going to Mars, revisiting the moon. I'm I'm just a huge nerd, so I'm I'm pumped up. I can't believe I'm on a show with NASA today. It's exciting. By the way, Imran Coker in the comments, he's he's getting mad at me. He says, "How do you see?" Because I didn't answer. He says, "How do you see the market situation after this pandemic, especially companies working under NAFTA?" Uh, I guess that all depends on what happens with the USMCA, right? I mean, uh, automobiles come back up. You're going to get cross border freight there and all that kind of stuff. But uh, maybe uh, Imran, we can get an expert on in that next week. Um, Because right now we're talking to Trey, who's also got a song. Michael Vincent, he promised us a 60 second song. Oh, I do. I've got a little ditty that I wrote specifically for this show so here it goes everybody check it out you ready yes sir yeah what the truck on the phone and on your screen at home hanging out with sooner and do what the truck is the place to learn about things like space with NASA and love tech automation too. With the industry going mad, it's so stable. 
stuff trey griggs excellent i really enjoy just, that one just for you my friend just for you i i, I enjoy that trey, that was awesome that was awesome stuff trey you're gonna have to send me those uh the lyrics and the chords on, on that and i'll i'll get some uh i'll do some lead behind it right we'll we'll start hey, laying down some tracks it's copyrighted so don't even try to take it man that's mine all right? i'm not uh, i'm just offering a little a little contribution to it i'll, I'll pull out my uh <laughs> telecaster and, and throw throw a nice little groovy uh riffs on top of that Awesome. Nice. I like it. I wait to hear the remix. Uh, hey, know, let's get a, let's get a mashup. Hey, well, well, let's mention at least Hubtech uh, briefly. What are you? Uh, what are you guys up to? What, what's the next six months look like for you guys? Everyone's trying to get back to normal, but then we're seeing, like, right here in Hamilton County, big a big spike going on in these uh, coronavirus cases. It's now. It seems like that's that's just going to be happening everywhere too. As we let people out, we reopen the economy. How's Hubtech looking at everything? Well, it is going to be interesting in, in terms of how that happens. Obviously, we all hope that uh, there aren't spikes and, uh, and that we can continue to, to open up and get the economy back, which is great. I mean, I'm hearing from customers across the board that freight volumes are coming back. And I think people are, are ready to, uh, to to come back as long as uh, we don't have any more, more problems with the virus. And for HubTech, you know, we're, we're in a position where we're able to really help people on the automation side, especially if they're short staffed. Uh, we have the staffing solutions as well. And you know, what's exciting is as we're talking to customers and going through a lot of exploration is customers are becoming more aware of which processes they could automate to enhance the work experience for their team. We're learning about new processes that maybe we hadn't anticipated ahead of time. And so it's been a, it's been a great process of exploration. We've got a lot of feedback and, you know, coming out of the Freight Waves uh, live at home event, coming out of the webinar that we had immediately preceding that. We got a lot of uh, a lot of interest, and so it's just been it's been fun to explore with customers and find ways to make them more efficient and create new processes that we can automate. So it's been a great uh, learning experience for us. Good stuff, Trey. So you post on LinkedIn about habits, right? About both good um, and bad that you've learned during uh, during your your lockdown, not your incarceration, but your, your <laughs> lockdown. What 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 are some of those good and bad habits? Well, I mean, there's so many, but I just pointed out a couple. And one was uh, obviously just eating junk food late at night. I think the first three weeks of the pandemic, we all subconsciously felt like we were on vacation because uh, we were home all the time and watching movies, more movies than normal. And, you know, you just get into bad habits of eating junk food at night, eating too much popcorn or a little chocolate here and there or whatever. And I'm a sweet tooth guy. That's been my struggle. And so, you know, I definitely, I was moving towards that quarantine 15, you know, that, uh, that they talk about. Yeah, the COVID-19 so pounds. That, that's right. So the, the one of the habits that I that I changed was I now eat a high protein snack around seven thirty or eight o'clock, and that really helps me feel full and I uh, don't have those cravings. And I drink a ton of water. And actually, in the last four weeks, I've dropped twenty pounds, which I'm very excited about getting back to a much more healthy weight and feeling like I can work out and run. And so that's been a good habit to see the progress just you know, pretty quickly just by making some changes in my diet. Wow. And then the other is um, I put my phone by my bed, and then it's just it's too tempting to look at it and. Uh, State, you know, um, get my mind going and I stimulate my mind. And so we put our phones off to uh, the side in our room so that we have to actually get up when the alarm goes off and we have to get up to go look at it. So it just helps us, you know, sleep better and just trying to take care of ourselves. But I mean, 
we all have those little habits, right? Of things that we'd like to improve. And I just want to encourage people to never feel stuck. To always feel like they have a choice to make a different choice. It always starts with your belief. You change your belief about who you are and your value and what you're worth. That changes your choices and what you really want. You hold on to that destination and then you end up with different outcomes, you know? And so that's, uh, that's a passion of mine. Now, Trey, we have a launch to get to at NASA, but before we let you go, can you tell people really quick where they can go to learn about HubTech and where they can go to get the word on the street? Yeah, well, great, great question. So they can go to gohubtech.com. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn or any of us on LinkedIn. Word on the street, just look at my post on LinkedIn. I've got the Zoom in there. That's up for everybody to join us. We love having, it's a fabulous launch. We have a lot of fun. We learn a lot together. And then we're excited to sponsor, put that coffee down next month yeah. on Freeways so people can find out more information about us there too. So thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate the time. Thank you very much, Trey. Good stuff. Good stuff with Trey Griggs. Always great to have him on the air. But our next guest is out of this world, and I think we have a clip. Roll the tape, production. For those of you who dream beyond the stars, for a world that dares to reach through the heavens, for the kids whose imaginations defy gravity, NASA and SpaceX Demo 2 is the first launch of astronauts on an American rocket from American soil since the last space shuttle mission in 2011. Because as John F. Kennedy said, we do it not because it is easy, but because it is hard. See beyond. All right, now we're going to bring up Mark Weiss. Very cool. He's the manager of Deep, Deep Space Logistics at NASA and one of my favorite guests at all time. He's been on Freight Waves Insiders, and he's at the same place our earlier guest, Brian Schreiber, is at that Nashville Air Cargo Summit talking about something we don't often think of. That's the logistics of NAFTA. I mean, of NASA. NAFTA. That other guy was asking about NAFTA. Of NASA and, yeah. how, uh, and how the advances that you guys do power a lot of the, uh, the economy, GPS, and the advances that we use. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. What's up, Dooner the Dude? Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, man. I'm just looking hey, at this. Hey, Mark, welcome. I'm looking at this awesome video hey. that our production team made. I, I think you saw it on social too, Mark, but it's uh, it's showing this this beautiful, I think it's the Falcon 9, and it's got this this new capsule on it, and it was supposed to launch on Thursday, but now it's going to launch tomorrow, Saturday, 3.22 p.m. Eastern time? Absolutely. Yep, that's our next attempt. The weather's still looking kind of funky, so we'll see if it works out in our favor, but we're going to give it another shot. Great. Can you tell us what, what, what is the NASA SpaceX Demo 2 mission for those who don't know? So this is a huge deal. So it's been almost a full decade since we launched the space shuttle. You know, and the space shuttle was our, our big truck to bring up huge payloads and, and launch a crew of seven astronauts to orbit. And it was our, you know, one-of-a-kind vehicle, first shot at reusing a, a vehicle. So in 2011, 2010, when we were shutting down the space shuttle program, we made an investment in going out and trying to drive the commercialization of low Earth orbit. So that 250 miles or so above us. And we had a competition, awarded a con, you know, a couple of development contracts, and then it narrowed it down to SpaceX and Boeing. And the two of them have been working really hard and SpaceX here at the, at the finish line first, but we're going to have both systems coming on board here, hopefully within this year. And this represents our return with American astronauts on American rockets from American soil. Yeah. Ever since we lost space, space shuttle, we've been, we've been relying on the Russians and, and getting our astronauts up to that space station 
with Russian Rockets, and we're super excited to be making the next turn and, and bringing it back home. Yeah, well, I'm glad you, you mentioned the space shuttle. I was bummed on the end of that program. Like, I grew up in the generation where, well, you know, in the 80s, where there's all those space shuttle figures, and the most badass thing I'd ever seen was like a, a 787 with a space shuttle on the back of it you could buy in the toy store. But what I noticed now is on this newer one, what's old is new again, and this Dragon capsule on there, it kind of looks like the Apollo Command space module. Why is uh, why is that design so lasting and the space shuttle wasn't? So, so in the 70s, we worked to, to, to evolve from that Saturn picture where we could put our cargo and all the supplies we had to bring up there with our crew together in one vehicle. And we mounted the shuttle on the side of a huge fuel tank and some solid rocket boosters. And it was a workhorse for us. But we learned that reusability wasn't what we thought. We had a plan to launch that thing every week. And we couldn't get there. Turnaround time to, to refurbish the shuttle, the fleet of shuttles, took us a lot. And I think at max, we had seven in one year. So it's now what we've been able to do is lower the cost of rocket technology, and we can separate it out again for safety purposes. So we put the crew by themselves and really focus on safety, put them on top of the rocket, get them out of the way of debris that might be shedding from the rocket on the way up. And then we can put our cargo up separately and autonomously rendezvous these things in orbit. Wow, that's 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 really interesting answer right there. That's really cool. So, Mark, uh, uh, Mike, Vincent here. So, can we can you speak a little bit to the techni- technological runoff of, of 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 NASA? Right, it's not all about just you know lighting a fuse and letting the rocket go up there and saying, "Hey, we did it." But there's a lot of advancements in technology that comes out of this, right? Yeah. So, so the big deal right now is, is space station, right? So, space station. Not a lot of people realize this space station that's in orbit above us. It's been up there with a human presence for almost 20 years now, and it's the size of a football stadium. And it's an asset for our country. It's a national laboratory, just like we have Los Alamos and Lawrence Livermore working on all these high-tech different things. This is an asset of a national laboratory capability in low Earth orbit in a microgravity environment. So the things that go on up there are all these experiments that the science community can't do here on Earth. So pushing the boundaries on on medicine and finding ways right now, they're looking at 3D printing human organs. I mean, imagine that capability where we can use that low gravity environment, find a way to help fix life on Earth, and then send that stuff back down to Earth. We're 3D printing all kinds of things up there. So it's this lab asset that is really setting the stage, and we're trying to turn the corner with commercialization because there's companies that want to take use of that space and really help drive research and technology. And then that will free us up as NASA to push beyond to the moon and Mars. Well, you know, we haven't had the budget to really drive into that. And if we bring this space economy with us, we're helping the economy here on Earth and we're helping push technology for our country and the world. Hey, Mark, when lockdown started, I, I, I've been pretending with uh, with my boys that we're, we're kind of in our own space station here, you know, and you, 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 know, you can't go out in, into the outside world as much uh, without, without your spacesuit on. Uh, and we built that Lego Death Star, too, which was pretty awesome. But if you think about it, astronauts are probably as prepared as anybody for, for longstanding quarantines and everything being up in the International Space Station. What is, what's life like that and what's that, that process to prepare for? Yeah, so their training's intense, you know, and they, they practice training isolated environments. They go out to extreme environments here on Earth. They practice in our huge neutral buoyancy laboratory, which is a, a, to simulate that microgravity environment. And they work really hard at developing relationships with their crew so that, so that we can stay united. What, what the International Space Station represents is this great, you know, melting pot of cultures across the world. We work with our European friends. We work with our Asian friends. They're all up there together. And our astronauts are super trained to be ready to deal with that isolated environment and set the example for how we can all get along and push, you know, our global economy, our global sense of unity forward. 
So, Mark, this is this is Mike again. When we when we had uh, lunch in Nashville at the end of, of of January, it seems like years ago. But in the end of January, we talked about a lot of cool things in like the the economies of space and the economics of space, logistics of space, obviously. But so, will uh, are we talking about eventually where there's a, a need for uh, uh, you know customs clearance, intergalactic imports? Yeah. So so the president just signed what's called the Artemis Accord. So that was a couple weeks ago, and that was a kind of laying the groundwork for international collaboration that, hey, there's resources out there in space, and we have to all find a way to work together and not get into fights over leveraging these resources to help help our planet. So, so that's kind of a first step, and that's why we're going out to the moon, because we see water out there, which can serve for fuel, oxygen for our astronauts, and, and we all know how important it is to protect our planet right now and how the, you know, how the the environment's changing and all the things we need to do to protect our natural resources. So if we can find a way to, to tap these resources out in space and use that to leverage life here on Earth and drive a, a trillion-dollar economy with it while we bring commercial resources, just like when we expanded west across this country, that's what space represents right now. Yeah, Mark, when you're up in space, sustainability is is a huge issue, right? You have to conserve energy, you have to conserve air, you have to conserve food. Brandon Dawson, he's got a good question. He said, is there any value in recycling space junk? Yeah, so there's definitely value. And, you know, we're trying to find ways now that we can, you know, use packing materials to then turn that into feedstock for a 3D printer, per se. We've got cargo ships that go up right now. And after they separate and autonomously, you know, make their way back to return and burn up in our atmosphere, they're actually setting things on fire in that uncrewed environment to understand how we can change the properties of something, how we can recycle and, and leverage technologies in space. You know, this extreme, you know, isolation that happens up there, as you're all seeing here on Earth, makes us think differently, helps us figure out how to find and solve problems outside the box of what is our normal. And that's what, you know, this research and development platform of space provides for all of us. You know, Mark, you you, you also mentioned back in January, moon base. Is, 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 this still, is this still a thing? This is still a thing. So, so we are working hard on what we call the Artemis program. So, we have taken huge steps this year. My folks, ever since we saw you guys in, in uh, the end of January there, we've since awarded our first contract. So we've got the Deep Space Logistics team. We've awarded a contract to SpaceX, and they're taking what's called the Dragon XL spaceship. So they're going to evolve what they've done here with Crew Dragon that's launching Bob and Doug tomorrow, and they're going to expand on that. We got our first big truck to help haul things out to, to deep space for that moon environment. We're going to build up what's called the Gateway, our command hub that will orbit the moon. And then we've awarded human landing systems at the end of April. So we're developing the right landing systems to bring huge pieces of cargo down to the surface. We can bring our crew down there. We can start to put some mobility vehicles down there, some habitats down there, really learn how to live on that surface and mine the resources of that surface and really jumpstart this new economy. Matt Hennig, he said in our comments, he says, 3D printing body parts in space. Whoa, that may be where cyborgs and Borgs got it. Yeah, Matt, you will be assimilated. I don't know. know. You mentioned mentioned the Gateway Project. We also talked about this. So those of you who are listening to this episode, if you're really interested in in more from Mark, too, go listen to the Freight Waves Insiders I did with him. Look it up on podcast players everywhere. Freight Waves Insiders. It came out back in in January. You can also find it at FreightWaves.com slash podcast. But what what, what about the Gateway Project? Can you tell us? And how does that fit into all this? So it's it's an important piece, right? So when we send our crew up there, we and we're going to have a longer mission. If we're going to extend the 30 days or 60 days, you see this capsule that Bob and Doug are going to launch on. And we've got the Orion capsule as our one that's designed for deep space for the different radiation environment as we get further away. But we can't bring all the supplies with them. If we're going to stay for 60 days, for 90 days, we've got to be able to have a command hub 
so we can pre-position the logistics for them, pre-position the food, the supplies, the extra science experiments we want to do, the spacesuits they'll need to go down to the surface. That's what Gateway represents. So it's this ag- aggregation point, our, our loading dock, to aggregate everything, bring it all together, let the astronauts get out of their spaceship, move to that human lander, and go down to the surface. We are taking that next science fiction and inspiring science fact. Wow. You know, hey, we, you, we talked about this discussion on there, but this is a slightly different audience. So, uh, you know, like I was talking about Emily Zink, our GM of content, when she watches like Anchorman or uh, The Morning Show or stuff like that. She's like, that's not how TV news is run. And she gets upset. Do you get upset when you watch NASA movies and it's not incredibly accurate, like like Star Wars, for example? I do not get upset at all. So it's, it's so important for us to inspire the next generation and to, you know, we get upset sometimes because we see it's not the exact way it's done. And sure, some of these movies don't get the science fiction, the science fact and the physics exactly right. But to me, it's great because it's still inspiring that next generation, inspiring what we're calling the Artemis generation. I didn't see humans land on the moon. I'm, I was born after that all happened. And I've got a daughter that was born after the shuttle launch. So it's so important for us to inspire in all of them. And any type of science fiction is important. Couldn't agree more, Mark. So when you do inspire this next generation and these youngers, how do they get involved with NASA? So NASA.gov, we have all kinds of you know, outreach materials out there. We go out constantly and talk to schools and engage different opportunities you know, across the spectrum, whether it's the Super Bowl or something else that's going on. We try to make sure we're constantly engaging. And then we, we do a lot on the research and technology, partnering with colleges and partnering with universities. And now as we're driving technology where we can see points where we can leverage, that's why we came out to that air cargo conference in January. We want to inspire logistics industries on the ground to see ways they can leverage our government you know, research and development dollars to find ways to, to make those synergies between what's going on here and what we're doing in space so we can all work together leveraging high value research and technology. Well, Lawrence, he's a, he's another fellow uh, musician who's been on the show. He said, inspired by science fiction, inspire science fact. That's a great quote. Before we let you go, uh, but two questions. I, I'm obviously obsessed with movies. So what is your favorite space movie and what is the most accurate space movie? So my favorite space movie, I am Star Wars all over. Yeah. I, I love Star Wars. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. I actually just read it with my seven-year-old daughter. As we've been in this isolation mode, that was our bedtime story, working through the, the chapters <laughs> of that book. So that was a blast. And then right now, if you are you want to get the physics right on Amazon Prime, The Expanse is oh. a is a great series that talks about what we're trying to inspire with this Artemis plan. It, it talks about hey, we are fifty years in the future. We've found a way to mine all the resources in the solar system, and we've got a whole section going on of how Earth, the Mars, the asteroid belt was all working together. And there's deep space trucking going on in that series nonstop. Wow. Deep Space Trucking is also NASA's internal podcast. A little factoid for those of you out there who don't know that. That's right. Yep. <laughs> We've been using that podcast to get information down to our employees ever since we started this Deep Space Logistics project. Oh, man. Hey, good luck with the launch tomorrow. It's at 3.22 p.m. Eastern time at uh, what, Kennedy Space Center, right? Absolutely. At Kennedy Space Center, you go to any of our social media platforms, NASA.gov. You can watch our content. we got about four hours of live coverage going on, working through that countdown. Hell yeah. Awesome stuff. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and wish you and uh, and the astronauts the best of luck up there in space. Thank you very much, Dooner, the dude. I appreciate it. Oh, thank yeah. you, Mark.
Man, man, oh, I, I could have talked all day to him. I mean, that's why I also implore you go go and listen to that episode of Insiders. It's we we just sort of geek. We t- we get into that debate in Armageddon, like if it was realistic that they sent oil drillers up in space, you know, those riggers instead of actual astronauts to do the work on the asteroid. And he said that. Oh, he, I think I thought he was going to tell me tell us that was the most factually based one. Well, no, but he he said that the the, the oil riggers might make sense, you know, because you know to train someone to be an astronaut, he's like, yeah, you could probably do it in sixty to ninety days, where to train someone to be an oil rigger could take a, a hell of a long time, right? <laughs> That's right. So what kind of CDL you got to get to take this next uh, space truck up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jake McCloud, he, he's interested. He says, any as- any astronaut positions for someone totally unqualified? Um, you know what? You would be surprised, Jake. So I've asked uh, these NASA people. I've been fascinated. I- I've interviewed a few of them. And each time I'm like, did you like always want to be with NASA since you were a kid? And a lot of them were like, you know, at the time I was coming out of school and I didn't specifically apply to NASA. It's like they went on a job board. They were looking for jobs. NASA was one of the things. They went on the interview and then it became a reality. But it wasn't like they set off on some sort of trajectory from the age of 10 onwards to become a uh, an astronaut or to work for NASA. Yeah, they weren't training from grade school. Moving on. So you're going to watch the launch tomorrow, my friend? I know you are. Well, you are going to be on the air with me on uh, on FreightWaves Radio during it. So I'm going to have it up on social media on my oh, iPad yeah. as I talk to you. Um, I think we might replay Mark's interview after I hang up with you. We'll, th- we'll throw that up there at the uh, the 345 segment. So if you missed any of it, you can also watch this on demand here. Or I think you can check it out on FreightWaves Radio tomorrow. Uh, Jake McLeod also says, most accurate space movie, Event Horizon. Uh, that's uh, the most horrifying space movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. What do, you, what do you got for space movies, Michael Vincent? What, what is your favorite one? Are you, uh, you don't strike me as a big Star Wars fan. Uh, no, I actually, I, I absolutely, absolutely uh, am a, a Star Wars fan. I'm not, not as much as most. I can't name every one of the characters, but I, no, I absolutely love the movies. One of my favorites just uh, recently was The Martian. I just, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was funny. I thought it was uh, compelling. I, I liked it quite a bit. The Martian was uh, of recent ones. He also said that that one was highly accurate. Uh, Shane Usler says, what time yeah. is the blast off? Like we said, it's 322 p.m. Eastern time, and it's on all of uh, NASA's social media, space.com, all of that kind of stuff. We, uh, let's see, we're... Boom. Very short on time. And this comment section is very special. It's not from the message board on Freightways.com. No, it's from our friends and neighbors right here on LinkedIn. Let's see, we got uh, Tom Curry very... Let's see. Can I do a voice for Tom? I've talked to Tom Curry. I know his voice. Um, very interesting discussion. No, I know. He, he doesn't have like a crazy voice. He's got a good voice, but not like a, a crazy, distinct macho man one. Um, and okay. then, uh, let's see. One of these other guys says, uh, any excuse to bang the cowbell? Of course there's an excuse to bang the cowbell. Nice work today, Trey Griggs, Matt Hennigan. Um, they'll be watching great interview, Lawrence Alvardo. Excellent stuff. Uh, great show. Any closing thoughts for us today, Michael Vincent, I know you're you're prepared to sit on that pool, sit on that float, come on FreightWaves Radio, pick up that phone, and try not to to fall in. <laughs> My closing thoughts are, man, we're living in some uh, exciting times despite where we're at right now. We've got incredible technology going on, and I was so geeked to have Mark on today because of what he's doing in deep space trucking. Just just amazing stuff, and the opportunities uh, that, that we have as, as just a, a society moving forward are unbelievable. And we, we talked about it earlier a little bit with uh, Andrew Cox's story about you know the volumes coming back and so on and so forth. 
forth uh, and the economy and just the resilience of of our society and and the people to pull themselves up and the desire to get back out there and get things done is is just tremendous if harnessed in the right way it'll be amazing yeah inspiring inspiring <laughs> let's see here Imran Kokar he says uh, he wants to know when we'll cover this Canadian thing well Imran these shows are every Monday and Friday at 12pm Eastern Time live on Freightways LinkedIn and Facebook you can watch this show on demand afterwards on the Freightways TV app subscribe to What the Truck on your favorite podcast player or Freightcast and get every single Freightways podcast you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner or hook up on LinkedIn continue the conversation with us look up Michael Vincent he's the dude over there on. Thank you so much to NASA. Thank you to HubTech. Thank you to Chandler Magan. Thank you to Brian Schreiber. And thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. It has been a wonderful and excellent time. Right, Michael Vincent? Yeah, it has. It absolutely has been very, very interesting. And, and you know, I wonder if Chandler would, uh, needs to get in, char- get in touch with uh, Mark for some of that uh, movement of that unusual, unique freight up to the moon. Yes. And uh, what's his face? Trey uh, Harrison in our, in our back end runs the back end. He thinks Trey Griggs' song that he wrote today should be the new What the Truck theme. Yeah, well, Ed, tell Ed, I'm serious. Tell Trey, get that thing over here. We can start laying tracks over top of it. Yeah. And on that closing thought, God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Monday at noon. It's been a pleasure. Peace and love. Look out, Elf, for those astronauts. You gotta get up there safely, boys. Get up there safely. Bring back those moon rocks. Inspire my boys. Five and three, the next generation of what the truckers, space truckers, space truckers. Good luck. Good luck.